show. Great to be with you today. (laughs) Wild and crazy in here. We got a full house. Uncle Chad, Deacon Adam, Paul George here today. It's we're getting ready down here in the deep, deep south for Snowmageddon 2021. It wouldn't be 2021 without snow. Yeah, why not? I mean, it never snows here. And so when it happens, things shut down five days before it might happen. <laughs> you got to get ready. <laughs> got to get ready. It's kind of crazy. We might get like, get like, you know, some freezing rain for like an hour or something. But like, you know. Here we are. And it's crazy mm-hmm. times right now because, you know, here we are. We got we got Valentine's Day coming up, okay? Then Lent starts. Ash Wednesday's coming up. Mardi Gras is right in between there. So we, we have all that. And we're going to be shut down in the boom, midst of it. All at once. Because It's going be, to be great. Because of sleet and snow. Here's the thing, Chad. I actually just got a phone call just now right before that oh. said that I'm supposed to take the GRE on Monday. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Canceled. Because of the weather. But you know what? What we've learned, we've learned how to shut down. We, oh yeah, you know, we've right. that. You know, we what what you got? Twenty twenty one, right? We know how to shut down. Well, a lot of folks didn't know how to shut down, and they went crazy last year. Um, <laughs> and I mean, so if you made it to this year, yeah, you probably are decent at shutting down. So some people didn't make it to this year. Some, some marriages didn't <laughs> oh, make yeah. it. Some, I mean, <laughs> when you were in the room with people that maybe don't want to be around all the time, you know, like things come out, things yeah. are said. Yeah, it's been crazy. So uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. Glad you're listening on the radio, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana, as well as the app. Super excited to um, to have you a part of the show and to get going uh, today. Yeah, so lots going on, lots to talk about with, you know, everything, you know, coming all at once. It's kind of fun. You know, you get it all over with Valentine's Day, Mardi Gras, Winter, Ash Wednesday, and then we start Lent. You know, it's crazy down here. For for those of you guys who are listening who don't celebrate Mardi Gras uh, the way that, you know, you, we do down here in South Louisiana, all the parades are canceled, you know? So like, we're not having like Mardi Gras festivities anyway. It's just the fact that it's Mardi Gras. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All those Catholics who poo-poo on Mardi Gras annually, like, look at all the debauchery. Yeah. It's kind of your jam right now. Right. (laughs) Congratulations. You did it. That's kind of me. Like. I'm not a big parade guy or whatever, you know. Oh, um, man. Abigail's from New Orleans. <clears throat> yeah. And so we we drive up every year, or drive down, I guess, every year. And she had some family that lived on parade routes and stuff. And right. so it was a good time. Last year was a little rough. It, it's but, fun, but yeah, you just kind of have to pick and choose like like what you go to. But anyway, all right, let's get going with the show. Chad, um, let me guess. Do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? The, All right. s- the smirk on your face <laughs> lets me know that we have no idea. Okay, it's not the it's not the worst have you seen yet. I mean, we the whole like growing your own meat that I don't that, think I could top it to be honest. Yeah, that's about as bad as it gets. But um, so one of the things that's always sort of baffled me and, and is weird to me is that um, we have you know kind of we have fossil records of human like things. You know what I mean? Like okay. Neanderthals, right? And there's others. Uh, you know, there's like Homo sapiens is the humans, mm-hmm. right? But they existed at the same time at one time, according to science. Okay. As Neanderthals and other types of human-like creatures. Okay. Well, uh, we just discovered evidence. They just discovered evidence from like 50,000, 40,000 years ago mm-hmm. that um, Neanderthals and Homo sapiens were uh, breeding together. Okay. And there's there's like teeth. 
and <laughs> like fossils of mouths of, of mixes between the two. So what's the difference? So explain to me because I'm kind of this is a kind of bit like out a Neanderthal of, out of out of my league. What's the difference between the two? So uh, the brain size usually. Okay. So uh, that's what it seems like anyway, and they're shaped a little different. Like their skulls look different, and their their bodies are built a little different. And uh, I guess I mean they didn't survive, right? There's no Neanderthals today. Homo sapiens were obviously a superior creature. Okay, so I did the whole 23andMe app. Okay, I got my DNA and <clears throat> got to see where my you know heritage, background, you know, all that's from. And then in in there, it'll tell you how much Neanderthal you have in you. I guess you had a bunch, huh? I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. they said the average European has like two or three percent. Yeah, so like my mainly obviously you know European. You know, mm-hmm. Irish, you know, right. British, German, Italian. Like, oh, I'm a mix, but I'm that side of, you know, Europe, you know. But isn't it a weird thought to think that your part of your family history is, like... Non-human. Not quite human? How do we know like, they weren't human? human? Like, I don't know. Like, you go 40, 50,000 years back, how do you know that they weren't... I mean... Human. Well... Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like We use the term species pretty often... But that's actually kind of a loose term. Like, what is a species? And, uh, like, Darwin didn't have a good definition, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you could say it's animals that can't breed with one another. Mm-hmm. Like, they're different species. But, you know, Neanderthal and humans could breed with each other, apparently. And so can other. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird idea. Like, an animal that is different than every other animal. Well, that's what I'm saying. If I have Neanderthal sort of DNA, like, it's like 1% or whatever. I can't remember. You know, like... Then there was obviously inner yep. interbreeding, mm-hmm. you know, which makes you think, you know, what were they were they And it worked. Were they human? Yeah. Like were they just like the product was human. Apparently. Did they have a soul is the big question. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's, that's what I'm asking. Soul. Yeah. yeah, I was just I mean, I'm like I don't know the answer <clears throat> to that. I don't know if anybody does in a sense of mm-hmm. like going back fifty thousand years, you know, I would love to to kind of dig a little bit more into what the church and science, because what I love about the church is that it doesn't reject science. Actually, it right. re- embraces science, and and that's that's the beauty of discovering the truth of God. Where some other faiths, some other Christian faiths, either sort of like kind of reject science because they're like, oh, if we uncover too much, it might prove that God doesn't exist, you know, or like our fundamentalist views might explode in our face and we wouldn't know what to do, right? And for us as Catholics, what's beautiful is like embracing science only expands our view of God. It only makes our view of God bigger and greater mm-hmm. and more, you know, mysterious and majestic and amazing, right? Like that yeah. is the discovery. So as you're reading that and your discovery is like, I don't know all those things. All I know is that all those things just mean that God is even bigger than what I thought he was, right? Yeah. That was kind of my follow-up question. It's like, man, how do you square this with our creation account and... Um, not that it, not that it contradicts or it has to. Actually, it, it kind of supports it because you remember in the in Genesis you had this race of giants. Um, really? Yeah, the uh, Na- like a- Naalim, and uh, we don't really know what that was. No. Saint Augustine said that could have been um, angels, mm. maybe. Um, but there were these groups of people that were not exactly like. Right, and Everyone their else. view of what a giant was is not like what we would think of a giant. Paul right. is like, a giant. You know, right. like, honestly, like, when they talk about the story of David and Goliath, you know, like, Goliath could have been just, like, a guy my size. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. compared to David, who was younger, maybe, you know, a different heritage, maybe, you know, like his like five foot two. average height was five feet, right? And then there's this, you know, person that's, you know, six five. You're like, holy smokes, it's a <laughs> yeah. huge person, you know? So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we were going to put on a David and Goliath play, you would definitely play Goliath. Like the people in this room. Oh, yeah. I'd have to get in the weight room. Right. No, I think you could handle it. But, but yeah, yeah. So, you know, as you're talking about, which has been kind of cool, like leading up to Lent, like the, the ordinary readings that we've been in, the daily readings of Mass, you know, the first readings has been in Genesis and this mm-hmm. creation story. And I always love reading the Genesis story, no matter how many times I've read it. I love talking about it. I love reading it. Because every time I read it, it, it just expands my view of God and his, mm-hmm. and his greatness, right? And I can't imagine reading Genesis through this sort of fundamentalist view of like, you know, everything happened exact and like it just make it look all neat. Mm-hmm. Genesis is a little messy, and I love that. I love the fact that that God is so so grand and yet so personal in the creation story. And the purpose of Genesis, especially in the more like what you would say prehistory chapters up to chapter 13 where it's not chronological historically that's not what it is you know when you start with abraham yes it's an account of history but before that it's more communicating certain truths about us where we come from and where we're going and you know theologically we have we have to believe as catholics that adam and eve the first two human beings had a particular relationship with god freed from sin and then they sinned and all of their descendants inherit that sin. And we are all mm. of their descendants. So everyone we call human beings today descend from those two people. But, you know, could there be, could their granddaddy be a Neanderthal? Maybe. So Maybe that was a... Could there there, was a and that was, a, that was sort of a question to the have you seen is, yeah. is do we have like a, a date, a historical date <laughs> around you know, the creation story? Like, so you're going back 40, 50,000 years ago to this, mm-hmm. you know, these fossils being discovered. Where would we put the creation story of like where would Adam and Eve be in there? In a sense of like, you know, did 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 I don't know, like I have no idea. Like that's where my mind begins to kind of explode and try yeah. to think about it. But it doesn't discount anything that's in sacred scripture. Like it, it's like, what was our life before Adam and Eve? Like what what was going on? But we just we know that that, you know, the creation story speaks of the first humans, right? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that Adam and Eve's grandkids might not have hooked up with a Neanderthal. Yeah, because wasn't I mean, <laughs> you're I still forget. a descendant of Adam and Eve if you have a Neanderthal granddaddy. Yeah, I granddaddy. For- <laughs> I forget what. You imagine what? That, that cut down in in school. <laughs> you were, your granddaddy's a Neanderthal. You're like, oh, <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> But this is kind of crazy because you know we have been in, in Genesis, and I, I don't know if this has all been meant to be, but. Um, you know, the creation story of Adam and Eve we've been hearing about. And here we are, you know, February 14th coming up is, you know, the world famous Valentine's Day. Of course, culturally, we, you know, this is expanded into celebrating whatever love means. It's a very subjective term these days, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Valentine's Day is, you know, I can go into the, um, you know, the aisle where there's court, you know, um, Valentine's cards to buy for, you know, my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even my kids get them a card. And now there's all sorts of cards you can buy these days. <laughs> Honestly. 
Like, tell me you, about have it, you man. been in in the aisle lately? No, I never pet, buy. Pet Valentines is a huge industry. There's Pet Valentines, for but there's also like for a guy for his husband. You know, so if my kids are in yeah. the aisle, uh, you, you know, like it, like you could like there's a card for any type of wow, you know, thing and love and cards aren't my go-to. Non-binary cards, <laughs> really? Neanderthal cards for Neanderthal <laughs> cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to my loving Neanderthal. <laughs> You may not be able to read this, but <laughs> I'll read it to you. <laughs> yeah. But but the creations, you know, we go back to this really the first love story. You know, God creates man and woman and it is good and and it's it's the first account in scripture in the creation story where it actually says it is very good, right? Like God kind of uses that that sort of inflection point in that. It is very good when he's talking about you know, man and woman, Adam and Eve, you know, and, you know, here we are, you know, in, in the natural order and natural law, like we're all here today because of, you know, God's creation because of, but because of love, you know, and, and here we are today. So we celebrate Valentine's Day. Like I'm not a big Valentine's like, you know, historian, right? <laughs> but Do you know any was big there Valentine's an actual <laughs> St. Valentine's, you know, like, yeah. Which is crazy because yeah. the saint that we celebrate on Valentine's Day is not St. Valentine's. Correct. Who is it? Cyril and Methodius. Cyril and Methodius. They sound like four, like like the they early were, church they fathers. Were, they were missionaries. I mean, like big-time missionaries. Yeah. Um, Brothers. Yeah. And ah. uh, Cyril changed his name when he became a, uh, a cardinal or a a bishop or something like he was, he had, he had a, another name, but anyway, like they were missionaries. I was kind of, I was actually a question for you way before the six pack of questions. <laughs> and you may not even know this. Getting is, it early. Is, um, you know, why don't we celebrate St. Valentine's quote unquote on Valentine's day that, you know, the feast of St. Valentine's day. Well, it still is a day, but it was, it was supplanted by Cyril and Methodius. So like in, every day of the year, you have a long list of like St. Days. Right. Um, and the general calendar that is every Catholic around the world is different than the local calendar. So you have certain saints that are celebrated in Britain, in America, in Ireland, on the moon, whatever. Um, and uh, like by the Diocese of Orlando, right? Something like that? Yes, that's correct. So uh, anyway, so St. Valentine is on that day. It's just not on the Roman calendar. So it's not as important. And in the history of the church, Cyril and Methodius... <laughs> They're kind of more important than old Valentine. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. why are they more important? What did he you know, even do? Because it seems like culturally we've we've sort of expanded this whole, you know, Valentine's thing, right? Like, but you know, sort of like Santa Claus. You know, it, it's kind mm-hmm. of just taken its its sort of Western spin and grown into this, you know, mythical character, like actual Saint Valentine. Like, what was you know, you know, what what if it's if St. Valentine is supplanted by Cyril and Methodius, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you could still celebrate it. It's like, it's like they dunked on St. Valentine. Well, I mean, they, they're pretty good, Cyril and Methodius. <laughs> <laughs> and St. Valentine's is good, too, you know. What um, did, did St. Valentine's do? Well, I remember it like read one time, but I don't remember. An early church and, and that's martyr. the point. Like, you don't even know. Yeah. I thought he was like a myth or something. No, an early church martyr, but I mean, there are some legends, like every other early church martyr, but basic gist is he uh, a secretive priest, and he would prepare couples for marriage, and supposedly marriage was like 
Christian marriage was outlawed. You couldn't marry mm. Christians, whatever. And so he would do this in secret, uh, and he ended up dying for that. So this idea that he like helps people get together and he's concerned about marriage and couples. That's kind of a cool thing. But even mm. on Valentine's Day, he was supplanted by Cupid. It's not like St. Valentine's helps you get together. It's Cupid that does it. Well, it's like St. Nicholas got supplanted by Santa Claus. Right. Yeah, and it's crazy how the culture, like, the Western culture just doesn't want to admit that it's so Christian, and right. specifically Catholic. It's like, okay, so tell me your main holidays again. Right. And where did they come from? And and look, honestly, <laughs> like, it, it's true. has there never been more attack on the dignity of, of marriage and the sacredness mm. of marriage than today? Like, we live in a culture where it's like, you know, marriage is sort of like, you know, it's looked down upon, you know, yeah. not only like, why are you getting married or why are you married? Why do you have kids? You know, like culturally, it's like, what, you know, like, why are you committed? Like, you don't have to do this whole man and woman thing. Like, you know, you don't even have to commit. Like, divorce is fine. Like, you know, like, it's just like anything goes, right? So when it comes to the sacredness of marriage, there's even an attack on the church. Like, why would you guys say it's even still between a man and a woman? Like, it should be between anyone and a Neanderthal. Like, you could, <laughs> you know, it could be anything you want because, you know, love is very, you know, just subjective it it, it yeah. it's relative you know mm-hmm. it, it means nothing you well know? just like saint nicholas would be pretty mad at most christmas parties um saint valentine would be pretty furious at the people who are using his name to mm-hmm. say happy valentine's day when they have no business being together romantically right? right um and that's the trouble you know with with cutting off our christian roots as a culture like we'll keep the holidays ideas because we like that idea we do think love is great that's a christian idea that Absolutely. marriage is great sure like this is, but we don't like the Christian version of that, right? We want our own version, but we'll still use the brand Valentine. You know, we'll mm-hmm. still use the brand Christmas. And that's the definition of blasphemy. Well, I think <laughs> one of the reasons, like, and I'm not saying this is the reason that Syria Methodius supplant Valentine, but what one of the things that we actually don't talk about much when it comes to love, agape, like the fullness of love, is like friendship, mm. brotherhood sisterhood like authentic love and friendship that those things can coexist that it doesn't have to be romantic and i'm not talking about between husband and wife i'm talking about between us as friends and brothers or whatever like this true authentic agape love that we can have for each other and for Cyril and methodius like they were they were true missionaries and brothers in life and in mission right and and the reason they became saints and we talk about this often on the show is that no saints that you know we read about they're they're ever doing this alone there's there's always a companion and a partner and a you know a community that that's that's sort of pushing each other to become saints to become the best of, of who God created them to be right and so we often just take this this word love and this idea of love is like oh if it doesn't have a romantic spin to it and I don't have an attraction like it shouldn't be love and like no like you know I can have an authentic, brotherly, fraternal love for you guys and want the best for you and even express that, right? And there's nothing romantic about it. But but it's it's like in the culture, love is just it's it's just it's watered down, it's it's diluted, not only within marriage, but within friendship. And then, you know, basically people just kind of make up a term and they figure it out. Yeah, it's this sort of fleeting feeling. And then to get back to Adam and Eve, I mean, they didn't even, they didn't get married because they were in love. I mean, they were, got married because they needed each other. Like right. it was clear, like man needed 
man needed someone else. Right. It wasn't good for man to be alone. So God created woman, you know, right. uh, out of man, out of flesh of man. And, and the two became one flesh. And, and love existed in a sense of their, their need and their, their, uh, their friendship. And they're yeah, willing right. to make a gift of themselves to each other. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Honestly, if we re- can record what happens on the break, you guys would be laughing. I mean, what we, we can't. Like, we go to commercial, we, really we go to break, and then we just start joking around. But anyway, welcome back to the show, whether you listen on the podcast or on the radio. Uh, great to be with So Valentine's Day, honestly, uh, we got a lot with Mardi Gras and Lent, Lent coming up. But do you guys, you know, big on Valentine's Day, do something? You know, like, you know, it's sort of like always tell guys this is if you're waiting for one day a year to express your love to your spouse, you're probably already in trouble. Like, you're probably already struggling in your marriage. Like, you know, in a sense of the whole idea of Valentine's Day of giving a gift or expressing your love, this should be something that's consistent in your relationship and particularly in your marriage should be consistent. So Valentine's, you know, shouldn't be like this super like high of like, Oh, I haven't done this, you know, in a year, here's some flowers and roses and I love you. <laughs> oh, yay. You know, what's your guys thoughts on that? We kind of, make it a family thing so it's more important to our kids than it is to us but like they make little valentines for right. each other or whatever and eat candy candy so any, any excuse, excuse to, for the yeah. conks to eat candy yeah <laughs> they are all into that candy right. um but it's never been a thing for us really um i mean our anniversary is kind of like our annual renewal of our covenant right so it's not like the theme of valentine's day has been important to us but i don't downplay it for those that do find it important, um, you know, but for us it's not. Yeah, usually it's just a good, it's a good excuse for me to cook a nice dinner for her. Right. And that, and make it, you know, dress it up, put some tablecloth and some candles down and make it look nice, you know what I mean? Right. Well, now you have a kid, you know. Right. Be a little so bit. We got to, yeah, we got to organize it around him. But, yep. um, yeah, I agree with Adam. Our anniversary is a much bigger deal. We usually try to take a trip. Uh, we'll watch our wedding video mm-hmm. again on our anniversary. It's like in a, on a USB, like hooked into our TV. It's ready to go. They're young and married, you know. They're still <laughs> young and married. I am. You know, I'm. Only, I'm of years. the. You know, for all the married folks who are listening, of. You know the philosophy that like marriage is work, and it's consistent work, mm. uh, and it's good work, obviously, um, it, and you know expressing love consistently, you know, is extremely important daily weekly, you know, monthly, like we, we shouldn't just sort of, you know, particularly for guys like, you know, segment it into like Valentine's anniversary, Christmas, you know, it's the three days I express love to my spouse. It's like, no, you know, like 
those days should be like just to celebrate together, but consistently expressing your love and, you know, engaging and working on your marriage, you know, is what is what make it work. So, you know, for all those who are listening, I'm wondering, you know, St. Valentine is a, it was a real saint. <laughs> there are a lot of myths, but, you know, officially known as St. Valentine of Rome. Okay. So for those of you guys who are listening, I'm like, whoa, okay, you guys kind of skipped over, uh, is a third century. So going way back, uh, St. Wiley celebrated on February 14th and commonly associated with courtly love. Although not much of St. Valentine's life is reliably known or whether or not the stories that we often hear, um, you know, are true or not, it is highly agreed that St. Valentine was martyred uh, for his faith and then buried to the north of Rome via Flaminia. So, you know, he was martyred, like you like you said. Um, well, hence so the red. He was an actual saint. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the idea of, like, he was fighting for, you know, love and, and marriage, you know. So yeah, the, best, the best thing about Christian holidays is the best way to celebrate him is to love Jesus. To really celebrate St. Valentine's Day, love Jesus by loving your spouse. That's what he'd appreciate the most. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. One of the things that I've done that actually Deacon recommended to me one day was that he will monthly celebrate on the day that they got married, you know? So ours was July 13th. So on the 13th of each month, we'll try to uh, do a little something to sort of remember and rededicate, I guess, in a little way. Month anniversaries, yeah. Little month anniversaries. It's just like a nice little... So ours is coming up this Saturday. Um, and we, with the stress of like having a baby and buying a new house and, and everything else, we've uh, we've kind of missed out on those the last couple months, just not being able to think about it. But Yeah, yeah. We like that, doing that. Month anniversaries. Month anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just count like, how many months it's been. You guys been. are weaklings. I do. It's, I do week anniversaries. Dang. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, once See, a week. On the Friday, if I did like the Friday of every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm married on a Friday. Yeah. No, um, you know, but one of the things that, that we talk about in, you know, when we're helping couples do marriage prep, you know, and, and Chad for you and Abigail, like you, you guys actually, um, you know, came, came to our house for marriage prep, right? Like, do I remember correctly? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Or couples that we're working with is like, it's where like, I changed my like first on a diaper. very practical level, right? It is where you change your first diaper because you're yeah. like, I've never seen a diaper change. <laughs> they had just yeah. had their their fifth baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Addy. Yeah, our late in life little one, <laughs> who's now three. Okay, so <laughs> you know, I tell people I have a twenty year old and a three year old. Hey, <laughs> you know, Saint Valentine's. <laughs> the uh, you know, on a practical level, you know, what we tell people is. That you should have at minimum like 20 to 30 minutes of uninterrupted talk time a day. And like when I say that, people are like, wait, what? We don't mm-hmm. know if we can do that. Wait, so out of 24 hours, you don't know if you can take 20 minutes to be with your spouse, right? And to like uninterrupted talk time, like to connect, you know? And we tell people, you know, try to have a once a week, you know, if you can, date night. You know, it could be at home or you know, where, where you get a little bit more talk time, a little bit more just time together, you know. And, and then, you know, just on a practical level, people are like, we don't know if we can actually do that. And what we say is, if you don't do those little things, those little practical things to grow and nurture your relationship, you're going to end up having struggles down the road because it just kind of like, you know, it just kind of manifests in other ways. You know, you end up fighting about things that you're like, why are we fighting about that? Because you hadn't talked, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think there's this myth 
that men don't know how to express their feelings, but women do. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I've met as many women incapable of expressing their feelings as men in my life. It just looks different. For the man, it's just like silence, <laughs> saying few things. But for women, it's like overdoing everything, talking way too much or right. or expecting way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're trying just to express what they really think and how they really feel, they just feel unable. And the thing about those daily talk times is that you begin to learn each other and how to effectively communicate anything so that you could communicate how you feel or what you think, right. you know, um, about anything, right? If, what I think about politics, wh- how I feel about the cold weather coming up or whatever, you rehearse every day this this act of communication. And without that consistency, you really won't know how to communicate the big stuff. Right. You really won't. And it won't be done effectively. And uh, you'll be disappointed on days like Valentine's Day. Absolutely. Because you'll have way, usually the the wife will have way too much expectations and uh, the man will just not even think about it. Yeah, you know, you use the word express feelings and I think that word express is really important because when we, you know, even on our own marriage, look at our marriage and and the work we've had to do and working with other couples where they're engaged or or currently married, you know, the two things that I would say that people struggle the most with in, in their marriage, one is... Uh, one is family of origin, like your history and like what sort of the, the, the school of love or lack of love that you learned and, and then you bring into your relationship and your marriage. Okay. And, and then sort of that, that, you know, the brokenness or wound is that's connected there. So you end up kind of fumbling through some things that are connected to your past. And, and like the more you grow and learn and heal and, you know, you like, it, it works, but a lot of people don't connect those dots. And so the, the struggle is in the marriage. They don't know why it's there, but it's connected to the past. The second thing thing is that people struggle with the most is um, communication. Mm-hmm. Like the ability to actually communicate, resolve, go deeper, express feelings. And when you say the word express, Adam, is like to communicate, you know, feelings. And it, there's often this this sort of this this myth that you know guys don't know how to express their feelings like every person is human so every human has feelings and every human knows how to how to express or have a has a word for that feeling right now the way a guy might express or the way a woman might express is two different you know ways of doing that right mm-hmm. you know so a guy might use maybe less words whereas a woman might use a lot more words and, and then there's, like like you said, they haven't learned to do this together. Right. And so they end up fighting or turning against each other inst- instead of, you know, do you, you ever dance with your spouse? It's like the first time like you're on, stepping on each other's toes or feet. You just learn how to dance together. What we tell couples is like, it's okay to fumble through some things. It's okay to, you know... To it for it to be wonky for a while to learn how to communicate or learn how to express love or, you know, learn how to pray together. You're not going to just know how to do that, you know, or, you know, even your your intimate life together. Like it, like it, it's okay to learn and to kind of fumble through it and grow together as long as you're doing this together, right? And consistently, mm-hmm. and consistently. Yeah. And one of the things that 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 daily like getting together for the twenty thirty minutes does is like really cue you into your spouse's emotional state. It's right. like part of the dance, right? It's like right. you can see when they're upset or agitated. And I mean, I guess the temptation is when you see they're upset, just to think it's about you mm-hmm. and turn it to yourself. It's not always the case. 
Um, but then the spouse's role is to like invite them in, like invite them to express why they're agitated or, cause yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I've experienced myself is that it's easy to feel like you don't have the right to be aggravated or you don't have the right to be angry, anything. I mean, even like the right to be excited about something or joyful about something. And I feel like part of the spouse's role is to, to sort of validate that, mm-hmm. to let them express their joy but their sadness their irritation with you or anything i mean so even if even if it is about you it's like worth dealing with and so feelings are neither right or wrong they're just they're they're feelings and you can't change the way someone feels about something whether that be a negative feeling or a positive feeling you know and whether it has to do with your spouse or something else you know one of the worst things we can do in those moments is say something like you shouldn't feel that way. Why would you feel that way? Well, I don't know why. I just do, right? Because mm-hmm. a feeling isn't something that you make up. It, it It's just something that you you have and you need to express, right? And the role of the spouse is to really just hear and receive that, right? And if they have a feeling as well, to be able to express that. And when, when couples really learn how to communicate effectively and go really deep and have intimate intimacy in their communication is when they're really able to hear what the other person is feeling and to validate it, even though they can't change it or fix it. And then to express a feeling back and really just kind of be in that moment together and be like, Oh, we're really unified. Although we, we might feel differently inside mm-hmm. or, you know, our hurt hurt differently or whatever the case may be. What often happens is people stay on a surface level and feelings become sort of hidden um, rejected, um, not understood, taken personal, and then it ends up either into a fight, um, no resolution, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. But yeah, even just being able to express those feelings in a sort of, to, for lack of a better word, like a safe space, safe place to express those feelings, like builds that intimacy so much and like not being judged for it, not being accused for it or uh, attacked for it, you yeah. know what I mean? And that builds intimacy in all of your marriage then. Well, the rest, all, all of us want to connect with another human being daily mm-hmm. in ex- expressing what we think and how we feel about life in its coarest sense. Like, what has occupied my thoughts and my heart today? I want to communicate that to someone. And if it's not going to be your spouse, it's going to be someone else. And that's a dangerous thing right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it's not, I'm not even talking about getting into adultery. I'm just talking about the distance that can grow between two people who are supposed to be married, who are married without that daily connection of 20 to 30 minutes is you're going to connect with somebody for mm-hmm. 20 to 30 minutes or in the course of your day or something yeah. right? um, to express the core of who you are. And there will become a distance between the person you're supposed to be connected with, but you're not if it's not that person. And it's really an intentional choice. I want you to be the one I connect with, not my coworker, not my best friend. I'm, I can still connect with them, but this connection is the most important to me. And that's an intentional choice to make room in your day for 20 minutes. Yeah, you know, you often hear, and we will all feel this way at some time in our marriage because it's, I think it's <clears throat> delusional to think that we're always gonna feel in love or, you know, just feel connected to our spouse because you know, we're human, you know, but we're working on it is to, you know, um, you know, this feeling of like, you know, someone would say is like, you know, we feel disconnected, you know, 
I feel like my spouse isn't present, you know. Uh, but if you're not present to the mirror, you're present somewhere else. Like your mind mm. and your heart is like occupied or preoccupied in something else. It doesn't mean that can't shift back and shift gears, you know, because we all experience that. But if that goes on for a long time, like what ends up happening is that your your mind, and your heart does shift gears and heads in a different direction. And, and it could be adultery, but it could be just being occupied or in love with something else, you know, a, a hobby or a thing, a, a job, a work, you know, and then all of a sudden you, you quote unquote are in love with something more than your spouse, right? Which is adultery. Like, you know, maybe not with a person, but with a thing. And, and that's not what marriage is. And I think oftentimes like people struggle in just the idea of working at it because they feel like if we have to work at this, then I don't want to do that, you know? And I often think that shifts over into their relationship with God. It's like, oh, if I have to work on this, I don't want to do that. Well, you know, true love takes sacrifice and love uh, and, and work, excuse me. Like it, 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 it takes that, you know, like we're not always going to just wake up and it's just going to be great today. You know, we really do have to dig in. And from a Christian standpoint, you know, I mean, the 20th century was filled with lots of great church teaching on marriage, unlike any other century, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, um, the 20th century, from John Paul II, but even before him, you know, the popes that inspired him. So I think back to uh, Pius XI and a really important small encyclical you could read for Valentine's Day. It's small mm-hmm. and it's beautiful, but Cassie Canubi on the dignity of That's Christian marriage. That's a good marriage. name, Cassie Canubi. Yeah. That's going to be a saint name. Cassie Canubi. Because saint names always seem to be like these wonky names. Like, <laughs> like oh, Cyril and Methodius? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a short document, but it's on it's on the good of Christian marriage. And he says, you know, the sign of Christian marriage is shared life together. And I think that's the important to remember as Christians who are married is that I have a duty to Jesus Christ in my vocation to share my life with my spouse. And if I don't, I'm fail- it's like a priest not hearing confessions or a priest refusing to say mass. Like if I'm not going to share my life with my spouse first and foremost, then I am not being faithful to my vocation in Christian marriage. Let me put a word to that. Like a simple word, because I think we can overcomplicate that. And it's friendship. Mm. Like mm. be in friendship with your spouse. Like and when you grow in friendship, it's like, oh, like when you become best friends with your spouse, it's like, oh, we're friends. You know, we're friends first and we're grown in this friendship. And yet it's a little bit different than obviously uh, a fraternal friendship, like because you express love and you give of yourself um I- intimately and those things. But but there's a friendship that there that there's first to to experience with each other and have fun. And I think oftentimes to overcomplicate it in the spiritual life is like in your relationship with Christ is like be, be in friendship with Christ. Like Mm. Christ is, is, is your brother, your savior and your friend. Like he, he, he wants to be in friendship and relationship with you. And, and that kind of simplifies it. like, Oh, like, well, I can do that. Like I can be in friendship with this person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so getting, getting back to that and, you know, with Lent coming up, it, it's a time to, to reset like our spiritual lives. You know, we you know we know that the liturgical year begins with Advent, and but you know most people you know oftentimes you know we, we don't think about it till after our calendar New Year, and then Lent hits. It's like oh, I probably need to reset you know mm-hmm. my life a little bit, and 
you know, I think it's extremely important. I think it's cool that we're celebrating St. Valentine's Day, you know, Mardi Gras and then Lent so close together. You know, one of the stories of St. Valentine's is that, you know, you, you talked about is that, you know, to remember St. Valentine's is that he loved Jesus. One of the stories is that um, he was on house arrest by the emperor and, and, and St. Valentine, you know, said, you know, I, I, I am not, you know, my allegiance is with Jesus. Like, I'm not like going to deny Jesus. And so the emperor said, okay, then come to my house. The emperor's daughter is blind and he says, prove Jesus is real, right? I'm summarizing the story. And he prays over the daughter who's blind and she received her sight. And in that moment, like, you know, obviously the miracle, people are like, okay, like Jesus is real. The Savior is real. Like to be that committed to Jesus, right? And and to be in love with Jesus is what drove St. Valentine even to the point where he was martyred for his faith, right? Mm-hmm. Cyril and Methodius, they were so committed to Jesus. You know, they were missionaries in a time that was extremely dangerous, that people thought they were crazy, right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about married life is that a lot of folks feel so disconnected from their spouse. Like, if it can be overcome, it'll take months, years of therapy, counseling. Like, you know, it's bad. A lot of times, Jesus is just asking for those 20 minutes a day. Hmm. And if you did that for one month, right, the difference it could make, if you're not doing that, and and it's hard to believe that it would make that much of a difference, but it's not complicated to follow Jesus. It just takes consistency, commitment, and everything to the end. Same thing with loving your spouse. It's really not complicated. Sometimes it is complicated, but a lot of times, most cases, it's just being that committed to the end. And that's the importance of Christian marriage. You know, we we have a spousal friendship with someone to be an image of the love we should have for Jesus Christ and the love Christ has for us. Because a spousal friendship is total, it's exclusive, and it's to the end. And that's the love God has for us, and that's the love we should have for God. And the world sees that love most in the sign of Christian marriage. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the most saintly thing that you can do as a married person is love your spouse. Like, you know, bring Jesus into your vocation and live your vocation every day. And we all have different stories in our vocation. We're all going to have different struggles or ways that we need to work. But... But the commitment to that is is where we grow in virtue as saints. You know, I'm I'm not going to become a saint outside of my vocation. Hey, honey, stay home. I'm going to go. You know, do my thing out there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a saint. No, I'm going to become a saint through my wife, through <laughs> mm-hmm. this vocation of love. Like I can't I can't not you know love there and become a saint somewhere else or grow my relationship. It, it all is going to flow through our vocation, right? And that includes religious vocation, right? You become holier through uh, the vocation that God has for you. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some Lenten options that are going to be really good. You got options. We, yeah, committed options. All right, we'll be <laughs> right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. 
Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. <laughs> um, Paul George, Deegan Adam, Chad in studio. We got a full house. We're kind of preparing. We're all, we're all in jackets in here. For it's uh, so cold. You know, it, it gets cold. You know, we're just not used to the cold here. I mean, it, you know, we have a very short winter, but every year, every year, there's this one cold spell mm-hmm. that happens within like a three to four day period where it just it comes through and you know something freezes. You know, cook a gumbo. Cook a gumbo. I didn't even think of that. You know, one I of already your, got my gumbo stuff ready. <laughs> one of your ready to go. pipes bust, you know, whatever, because we're just so not used to this winter. But it, it is going to get in the teens at least one night, which we're not certainly never, 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 never used to. And then the following week, it's probably going to be in the 70s. For sure. It's pretty hilarious to watch Cajuns deal with the fact that it's in the teens. You know, like right. we just keep checking our phone or, or like. The weather 18 app. degrees. Mab- I can't believe it. Mab- that's, all I've heard, that's all I've heard about this past week. That's all we're talking about. Like, yeah. people How are could talking, it get so cold? People are talk- I didn't even know. And then everybody... People are like, oh. talking more about this, this cold front coming through than they are about Mardi Gras, <laughs> Valentine's Day, the or election Lent. And anymore? what's going to happen, fellas, if you listen to the show, you're going to get popped because you're going to wake up Valentine's Day and you'll be like, oh, no, I had no idea. I've been so focused on the cold front. <laughs> just get her some hot chocolate for Valentine's Day. That'll work. Yeah, seriously. Um, you know, speaking of St. Valentine's, you know, we were talking about that story of the healing of the blind uh, girl, right? And in the re- readings this Sunday, it's interesting. I don't know if, if this was done on purpose, you know, but, you know, in the first reading of Levit- Leviticus, um, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, if someone, you know, on it has a scab or, you know, you know, is is a leper or you know they're they're wounded bring them to the high priest right so it's this reading about you know like you know they go to the high priest well who's the new high priest the new covenant you know the divine physician is is jesus and so in the gospel a leper comes to jesus and jesus heals the leper right makes the leper clean i think this is such a cool sort of ramp up to lent that's coming up because lent i think like if you would really like like make it about something real and tangible that lent is about healing lent is about mental healing spiritual healing physical healing emotional healing it's about this time to lean into jesus and the reality of what jesus can actively do in your life right lent isn't just this tradition Lent is a reality of a relationship with a person, and that person is active today and alive. Jesus can still heal our, our minds, our hearts, our, our, our wounds, our sins, you know, we, we, all these things. And so we start Lent on Ash Wednesday where we get ashes on our head and we, we're reminded that we're, you know, we're nothingness, that we're sinful, that we're, you know, going to return to you know, the dirt of the earth, you know, and then we, we rebuild from there, you know, through Lent. So it's an important Christian skill to let God do whatever he wants in our life, to give God permission to start from scratch, to rebuild our life from scratch. And Lent is that time of the type of healing that is whatever's in the way of that. Maybe it's my wounds, maybe it's my anger, maybe it's my bitterness, maybe it's my attachment to things, my own will, whatever. Like whatever's in the way of God having whatever he wants in my life, I'm going to put that to death during Lent. You know, I'm going to put that on the cross with him. 
And then when Easter comes and we hear about the Acts of the Apostles and the church and getting to mission, that's a time where I think a, you know, a lot of good discernment can happen because if we take Lent seriously and we put to death those things in us that are keeping us from doing whatever God wants us to do, then this new time of life at Easter, at Resurrection, especially hearing about the early church, can be very motivating, inspiring, and we can, we can hear from God more about what he wants us to accomplish the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, Lent, another way to look at healing is to think of strengthening. Like when something needs healing, it's not strong enough, right? Like, and maybe it's not its fault, but God strengthens us as Christians during Lent. There's a certain grit we get from being healed and being made whole that we are now stronger to go out there and proclaim the gospel. And if we don't take Lent seriously, then we just remain wimpy Christians, you know, snowflakes. All right. So how about a <laughs> six pack of Lent? <laughs> oh my goodness. You're getting a little oozy. Question. <laughs> I, I, I thought, I, I thought the have you seen last week was one of our funniest. Yeah. It was a good one. About little Uzi. It was a good one. Yeah, you should go back and listen to it. Yeah. I enjoyed very much the face you made when you said, how about a six-pack of Lent? And I just, I just feel bad for our listeners that they couldn't see that face. Yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, Chad, right. how about a question number one? Sure, question number one. Thanks for, uh, thanks for <laughs> tossing that up to me. I really appreciate it. I'll spike it on down. Ready? So one of the things, <laughs> one of the things uh, we talked about were those 20, 30-minute conversations. What are those? What should those look like? Should those be conversations where you're like, "Hey, I need you to do the chores," and this hasn't been done yet. This hasn't been done yet, or should it look different than that? Yeah, and I don't think there's any format of other than like, "Hey, how was your day? What's going on in your life? Let's just connect and talk." And that could, you know, as your life gets more busy and kids, you know, sometimes it's like, "Hey, we, you know, this is going on and this is happening." What we do and suggest to people is like. Um, try to keep those conversations just about like each other and, and how you're doing, checking in and talking. And it's not like you don't talk at other times during the day or, you know, things like that. And we do, you know, we call like maybe a weekly business meeting. I know that sounds mm -hmm. crazy. So like maybe Sunday <laughs> afternoons, we're like, okay, break out the calendars. What's our week look like? What's meals look like? What's shopping look like? What's, you know, you know, carpool look like, whatever, and we just have like a logistical, you know, throwdown so that we're not like trying to like, you know, talk about all that during the week. So that then the 20 minutes each each day is just really kind of checking in and, and, oh, you had a bad day. Tell me how you're feeling. So you, it could be really deep or it could just be funny. You know, it's just whatever. And then when you go on a date night, you just have longer time of conversation without interruption. So, you know, those three things, a date night, you know, a business meeting and the 20 minute check in, I think really really important you know mm -hmm. and when you set those things up then it kind of sets you up for success question number two so lent is 40 days yes let's say i wanted to work on my marriage for lent i want to get some healing some mm -hmm. strengthening do some stuff what would you recommend just calendar wise like what can you do with 40 days that's effective in a marriage to to really invest in it especially maybe if you if you have some uh, struggles yeah, do something, you know, and we're thinking about something. We're going to make a decision. We're like, what are we doing? Maybe join a, a couple's group for Lent, like once a week, you know. Uh, maybe start praying together for Lent, like once a day or once a week. You know, maybe read the readings together, you know, but do something, you know, something that you both agree on because I think mutual agreement, you know, sometimes one of the spouse or the husband or the wife is like, hey, let's do this, and it's like this audacious goal. 
you know, because the other person, you know, has this in their mind that they want to, and the other person's like, I don't really want to do that. So mutually decide together what you're going to do together and then do it right. Um, for Lent, you know, so, um, you know, and then just kind of see an area where, where you kind of need it, you know? So, um, those are some suggestions I would do, but I would just say decide together and then just do something. It doesn't have to be huge, but something small even is, is doable. Yeah, it might be especially for at least for young couples. I know it's easy for me and Abigail to get into a routine where we just turn on the TV when we got home because we were tired of thinking, right? You know, and so the connection never really happened, right? Because the TV was on, right? So that's, I mean, if you want to reconnect during Lent, and you could it like mean do you have to a mutual fast together. Like right. you could decide, hey, let's do this like we're going to do no tv together like no tv mm-hmm. you know like and that's like oh you're kind of joining in together on a fast or a sacrifice yeah those two hours you watch tv maybe we'll like uh talk for 20 minutes instead yeah <laughs> cook dinner together you yeah. know like do things together it doesn't always have to be talk time it's just being together sometimes it's mm-hmm. like you know really ways that you build friendship you know it's like you go fishing with a friend and you don't talk the whole time you're just building friendship like your spouse you should be building that same type of friendship so you know, cooking together and you're not talking about anything deep. It's just having mm-hmm. fun together or whatever activity you want to do together. Yeah. Just do it together. Together. Um, question number, wait, on three, right? Yeah. yeah. Question number three. Uh, one of the things Deacon Adam brought up was being connected. Like we need connection mm-hmm. every day. And if we're not going to find it and our spouse will find it elsewhere. Uh, my question was about single people. And I assume they need, they have the same needs. They also want to connect also want to be with someone, um, how do they find that daily connection? I think root of sin, one of the biggest roots of sin is loneliness and separation. I'd agree with that, yeah. And that can happen in a marriage, but we see it uh, with single folks, right? And, and, and even with like, you know, um, you know, priestly vocation, like just being isolated and see, like you have to be intentional about building friendship, you know, and I would say particularly for single folks, you know, is find a group for Lent, like get, get involved in a Bible study or a Lenten group or, you know, start one, have a couple of friends out. Like it's extremely important to be intentional, but I also want to tell single folks that, you know, married folks experience loneliness if they're not intentional about building community within their own home, friendship with their spouse, their kids and other friends. So like this idea is that we have to be intentional about it no matter what. If not, we're going to be isolated and we're isolated. Sin creeps in all the time. I think praying and eating are underestimated as like those seem to be the prime communal activities. And so if you're a single person, look at your weekly calendar. Are you praying with people or eating with people? You have three meals a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is cool about the liturgy is like we kind of do that. Do both. Mm-hmm. We both. Same you time. Know, God feeds us and we pray and worship together. You know that it that's because we're human. Like that's where we connect mm-hmm. in prayer and in <clears throat> and playing together. You can throw that in there. But but particular calendar wise, those two. That's right. what it, go ahead. Oh no, you. Go oh, I was gonna say that's what I used to tell when I was uh, working in college ministry and doing discipleship and things like that. That's what I used to tell people that were uh, were asking for how to you know evangelize or how to reach out to this person. I was like, man, you have three meals a day and you're in college, like. You have the time, and you could just share a meal with that person. You have you have three top opportunities in a day to share a meal with that person. Just go do that, and Absolutely. they'll talk to you. That's where, yeah, the best work happens. That's right. Question number four. So uh, we talked about um, just trusting in Jesus to heal, and that Lent is a time of healing, things like that. 
Um, the trouble about healing is that it's hard to see where you need to be healed the most, you know? How could, as spouses, could you effectively communicate with one another things you can't see about yourself? Like, have you have, you have any success in your own marriage, like, to help your spouse understand where they need healing and, and kind of co- encourage them into that healing? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because that's a very intimate spot, you know, and, it, you know, a good way to say is, like, you know, have you prayed about that? Have you prayed about, you know, I've noticed that you've been very stressful, stressed lately or anxious or, you know, I've seen this pattern over and over in your life. Have you prayed about that? Have you brought that to Jesus? Because what's the point of sacrificing and fasting in Lent? Is it just to say we did it? Is it just to build discipline? I mean, those are good things. It's to reveal to us more and more of Jesus, right? That we grow closer to Jesus over Lent. And the more and more we shed the TV or the, you know, fat, like whatever, like it, it helps us to build in just this more and more time with the Lord. And like, but it also reveals where there's tension there, like where I don't really want, you know, to experience Jesus in my life. Those are the places that I need healing. Those are the places that I need to grow in. And so Lent is a time for Jesus to shed light on the areas of our life that we need to grow spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm mentally, physically, whatever the case may be. And so when I'm looking at Lent, I'm not saying, okay, yeah, I'm going to do some, you know, praying, fasting, sacrificing, but why? So that I can grow closer to Jesus in the areas that I'm not, that I'm struggling, I want healing in so that I can, I cannot hold back in my relationship with Jesus. So anyway, that, that was four questions. We got four pack of Lent and we're running out of time. So and four packs are all the rage. So. Yeah, so four packs are kind of, you know, we did a, yeah, four pack. So anyway, thank, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Share the show on the podcast. Uh, you can go back and, and listen to them. Go to discovertheartofliving.com uh, and support our work. And uh, thanks everyone for listening on the radio, KLFT Radio. And don't forget to buy your raffle ticket to the Bronco Raffle. Go to broncoraffle.com and win a ticket or win a buy a ticket to win a Bronco. (laughs) All right. Talk to you guys next week. God bless you.